أعوذ بالله السميع العليم من الشيطان الرجيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم الفاتح لما غلق الخاتم لما سبق اللهم صلي وبارك وسلم عليه في الأولين وفي الآخرين وفي الملئ الأعلى يا رب العالمين Welcome to our weekly gathering uh, an explanation of the book of Imam Abu Hamad al-Ghazali uh, the book he wrote is called Minhaj al-Abidin ila jannati rabbil alameen basically this book is charting the course of people who have decided to live their life as best they can as Muslims and as devout Muslims as committed Muslims Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an commands us to use our own sense of utility that He has given us to submit to Him. And He shows us to the life of Sayyidina Ibrahim, إِذْ قَالَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ قَالَ أَسْلَمْتُ لِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ I have submitted to Allah. Oftentimes people feel that they have no control over themselves. This is one of the tricks of shaitan, that someone determinately and um, intentionally decides to become a committed Muslim. So Imam al-Ghazari is now talking about seven challenges to that process. And we went through the first challenge was knowledge. We spent quite a bit of time unpacking it and now we've reached the second obstacle or hurdle and that's the hurdle of repentance. And we begin um, discussing, alhamdulillah, um, how that looks. And he defines repentance in a very important way, and I thought I would repeat it for everyone here. Those of you taking notes, super appreciated. May Allah bless you. So he says the first definition or description of Tawbah is that a person chooses to leave sin. Ikhtiyar means that a person chooses to leave sin. When people tell me I have no control over not sinning, I tell them do the opposite, choose the opposite, like try, try, struggle, right? So the Shaykh he says, Innahu tarku ikhtiyari dhamb. That repentance in its essence is the choice to leave sin. And there's a reason that he also mentions this. And this is really, really profound. Because Imam Abu Hamad al-Ghazari is a legal scholar. So at times he's going to write in a very legal way. And that means that what if there's not ikhtiyar? For example, what if someone is forced to sin? What if someone is forced to to sin, muqahhar. Not the one who has ikhtiyar, but the one who's forced. So then, if we take his definition, we understand then someone that's fo being forced into evil is therefore not a sinner. An example of that is recently a woman contacted me who said that her family will not allow her to wear hijab, and she was worried that she's sinning. And I've now set up you know, an arrangement to speak to her family 
but to the point where she felt they may physically harm her. And that's why we have to be very careful with people that we, that we talk to and we give da'wah to and the messages that we put online. You don't necessarily know if people are being forced into situations that are beyond their control. The convert who can't necessarily observe all of the aspects of Islam because of their family situation or their financial situation, without his or her choice, then that is not a sin. So that's why the Imam, he uses this word. He's very, very delicate and precise in his language to show that people who are compulsed to do evil. I remember in the 90s, I, I met a, a Muslim who came from overseas who was forced to eat pork by non-Muslims, subhanAllah, in, a, in, in like a war. You know, and felt like, subhanAllah, very guilty about that. But that's without his or her ikhtiyar. So the first is that a person is choosing to do evil through their own utility. So oftentimes you may be listening to me now, and you may be in a certain set of social optics or optics within your family, or financial optics or challenges to whatever you're trying to do that may impact you. So you have to ask yourself, like if I'm being forced because of these situations and I'm not able to get out of them immediately, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is kareem, ra'ufur rahim, alhamdulillah. That's why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Rufi'ah an ummati an nisyan. Forgetfulness was removed from my ummah. وَمَا stukrihu عَلَيْهِ In what they were forced to do. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, meaning the sin. So when he says, إِنَّهُ تَرْكُ إِخْتِيَارِ ذَنْبٍ This implies personal utility. And this excludes people who are forced into evil behavior, whether by others, perhaps due to certain financial challenges, of course, as long as it's not harming other people, and also for someone who's forgetful, nasty. Sometimes people forget. Like sometimes people forget to pray. So here we see something like really beautiful. We see ministry in the word, words of Al-Ghazali. Like there's, there's a lot of investment in the maturity of his language, man. إِنَّهُ تَرْكُ ذَنْبٍ So who's excluded from this? Someone who's forced due to a set of circumstances that they may not be able to change. Someone who forgets, mashallah, and someone also who doesn't know. Someone who doesn't know. Al-jahru alim. And we have a beautiful axiom in Islamic law, al-udratu bil-jahl. That people are forgiven who don't seriously know. Those followers of Sayyidina Musa, when they escaped Egypt, they still were suffering from Stockholm Syndrome. They loved their masters. So they said to him, Can you make an idol for us? Even though they were Muslims, they were followers at that time of Sayyidina Musa. They still had Stockholm Syndrome. They had psychological trauma. There were a lot of challenges that they were dealing with. 
When they said to him, Make an idol for us. Did he say, you're kufar, you're out of Islam, your aqidah is wrong? He said, You're ignorant people. So we have a famous axiom. He didn't, he didn't call them kufar. He called them ignorant. So Sayyidina Imam, when he says, Rahimuhullah al-Ghazali, when he defines repentance, he says, إِنَّهُ تَرْكُ إِخْتِيَارِ ذَنْبِ salam rahmatullah Zishan. It is to leave the choice of sin. And he puts the onus in our hands. سَبَقَ مِثْلُهُ عَنْهُ This is the second part of the definition, you can see it here, is that the person had fallen into that sin before. So in order to repent, to turn away, I would have had to have made the mistake. مَنْزِلًا And there, and this shows you the danger sometimes of text, there should be a la here. يعني مَنْزِلًا لَا سُورَةً What does that mean? Again, this is very beautiful. Manzilan means that let's say I did some sin when I was young because I had the energy of my youth. And then as I got older, I said, I want to, you know, I realized I did this really, really evil sin in my young age that required the strength of a young person. I can't do it now. But could I still repent for it, even though now I don't have the ikhtiyar, I don't have the ability to do it. So out of the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, any repentance for any evil in that state is going to be a means to remove the evil I did say when I was young. Subhanallah. So he says, manzilatan or manzilan la suratan, meaning... So when I'm older, if I say, you know, subhanAllah, when I was young, maybe I stole something or whatever, right? I had the legs to run. Now I'm old, I can't run anymore. Or maybe I used to use my eyes and, you know, uh, jump online and steal stuff from, whatever, right? Now I can't see. At that moment, inshallah, if I sincerely repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, manzilat, Manzilan la suratan means that I have the intention that if I could stop, I would have stopped, and that whatever I repent for is sufficient. Alhamdulillah. It doesn't have to be the exact same sin. Ta'zeeman lillahi ta'ala. This is the fourth condition that my repentance is for Allah, not for fame. Not for people to say, oh, he's good now. Like Pak said, you're Muslim now. No more dope game. None of that, right? It's for Allah. In the fifth condition, to flee from the anger of Allah. So, Sayyidina Imam Al-Ghazari, how does, uh, how does he define repentance? It's actually very important. Is that a person uses their own choice to leave the sin which they have previously committed in degree not in like the actual like like so let's say as i said later on i'm not i'm not doing that sin anymore but the other sins i'm doing if i repent for them and also i mentioned that sin that's manzilan la suratan
ta'zeeman lillahi ta'ala, sincerely for Allah, wa hadharan min sakhatihi, and fleeing and protecting myself from the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Today, what we want to talk about, what he means by flee here is, is ma'nawi. It could be physically, we'll talk about it in the future, but what he means here is that internally I distance myself from choosing that evil. And then, then I translate that into physically then divorcing myself from that evil over time. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. What we want to talk about now, alhamdulillah, are what he calls muqaddimat at-tawbah. So we talked about the foundations of tawbah. And he says, فَهَذِهِ شَرَائِتُ تَوْبَةِ وَأَرْكَانِهَا وَأَرْكَانُهَا Right, these are the conditions and foundations of tawbah. The things that I just mentioned. فَإِذَا حَسَّلْتَ وَاسْتَكْمَلْتَ فَهِيَ تَوْبَةٌ حَقِيقِيَةٌ صَادِقَةٌ So if you're able to do that, he said, this is true repentance. Then he moves on, he says, What are the things that are going to be prerequisites, if you will, are going to cause repentance? What we could say are the triggers of repentance. What are those things that I need to prepare, that will be there, that are going to prepare me to be somebody who comes back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and commits myself to a life of faith and devotion? And that's what we're going to talk about today. He says, The first thing that you should think about is just remember what this evil is going to lead to. Just think about the sin, right? And where those sins are going to lead in the larger scheme of things. So the first he says, Think about the ugliness and the repugnance of the outcome of sin. In this life, of course, living a life of irresponsibility, and the next life, as an educator in the university system now for a number of, you know, four, four years or so, I can say that most of the time when I see students fail to perform well, it's not because they lack intelligence, they lack discipline. They lack discipline. We've all seen incredibly talented people who have wasted their talent with their irresponsibility and lack of discipline. So the Sheikh is saying, like, just think about dhikru, think about like where, where sin is eventually going to take you, man. What's the ultimate outcome of sin? Is something repugnant. وَثَانِيَ ذِكْرُ شِدَّةِ عُقُوبَةِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ وَأَلِيمُ سَخَطِهِ وَغَدَبِهِ الَّذِي لَا طَاقَةَ لَكَ بِهِ said the second thing that you should think about is the incredible punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the pain of His anger and wrath for which you know you do not have the ability to shoulder. Allahu Akbar. اللهم خفف لنا وسهل لنا الأمر يا رب وهدينا يا رب العالمين. He says والثانية ذكر شدة عقوبة الله عز وجل 
وَأَلِيمِ سَخَطِهِ وَغَدَبِهِ الَّذِي لَا تَاقَتَ لَكَ بِهِ Third thing he says that you should think about the incredible punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the incredible pain associated with his anger and his wrath for which you and I have we do not have the ability to shoulder it وَثَارِثَةُ ذِكْرُ ضَعْفِكَ وَقِلَّةِ حِيلَتِكَ فِي ذَلِكَ فَإِنَّ مَنْ لَمْ يَحْتَمِلْ حَرَّ الشَّمْسِ وَلَا لَطْمَةِ الشُّرْطِ Allahu Akbar. The third thing he says is that you should think about how weak you are and how you don't have the ability to handle that punishment. I don't have the ability. فَإِنَّ مَنْ لَمْ لَا يَحْتَمِلُ حَرَّ الشَّمْسِ وَلَا لَطْمَةِ الشُّرْطِ So someone who can't even handle the heat of the sun or the punishment of law enforcement, for example. He gives example like in his age, someone who's being like punished. وَلَا قَرْصِ نَمْلَةِ you know, even the biting of an ant. كَيْفَ يَحْتَمِلُ حَرَّ نَارِ How will that person be able to handle hellfire? point he's getting at is somebody can't handle basic and also serious forms of uncomfortability in this dunya. How on earth would they imagine that they could handle it in the hereafter? Allah says, قُلْ نَارُ جَهَنَّمْ Say to them that the fire of hell is greater. He's saying like, you know, being stung by a scorpion or bit by a snake has no comparison to those things which are created to punish in the hellfire. So he's saying these are the three things that should bring us into repentance and if you think about it should protect us from sin. What he calls muqaddimat atoba. Maybe somebody doesn't feel the need to repent, or maybe someone's negligent from repentance, then these are those things that are going to trigger it. And we'll read them again. These things that are going to trigger repentance are three. Number one is to think about the repugnant ending associated with sin. وَثَانِيَةُ ذِكْرُ شِدَّةِ عُقُوبَةِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلُ وَأَلِيمِ سَخَطِهِ وَغَدَبِهِ الَّذِي لَا تَاقَتَ لَكَ بِهِ The second is to think about the incredible punishment. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us, Ya Rab. And pain associated with Allah's punishment, anger and wrath, for which we know we can't handle. Then he says, okay, here's some examples of that. Somebody can't stand in the sun long, why would they be sinning? 
somebody that can't even handle the bite of an ant. What do they think the hereafter is going to be like? So that's the third. He says, "Na'udhu billahi, thumma na'udhu billahi min sakhatihi wa'adhabi." So therefore, we truly seek refuge in Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and He says it twice from His anger and His punishment. فَإِذَا وَضَبْتَ عَلَى هَذِهِ الْأَذْكَارِ وَعَوَدَتْهَا أَنَا اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ فَإِنَّهَا سَتَحْمِلُكَ عَلَى تَوْبَةِ النُّصُوحِ مِنَ الذُّنُوبِ وَاللَّهُ الْمُوَفِّقُ بِفَضْلِهِ Sheikh says, Sayyidina Imam, وَإِذَا وَضَبْتَ عَلَى هَذِهِ الْأَذْكَارِ وَعَوَدَتْهَا أَنَا اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ If you were to then make these three things, like if you were to be consistent in remembering them and habituate them, أَنَا اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ All the time, day and night, فَإِنَّهَا أَيْ فَإِنَّ هَذِهِ المقدمات, then these three things then these things will carry you to sincere repentance because remember the context of what we're talking about from last week is that somebody asked him about the verse in Surah Al-Tahrim Ya amanu tubu nasuha O you who believe, sincerely repent and the word nasaha means like it doesn't return. So someone asked him, how do you do that? So he mentions, number one, tarku ikhtiyari dhambin sabaqa mithluhu. Right? Someone uses their utility to leave a sin which they had previously committed. تَعْظِيمًا لِلَّهِ تَعَالَى وَحَذَرًا مِنْ سَخَطِهِ So he talked about what it means, as we just discussed, and then he now moves on to, like what's going to trigger real repentance? What's going to trigger like you to and I to like repent for our sins and like commit ourselves to living a life as devoted Muslims. So he said, there are three things that are going to trigger that. He said, the first, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he said, the first one is, to think about the disgusting ending that always comes with sin. Number three, number two, ذكر شدة عقوبة الله عز وجل وأريم سخطه وغضبه الذي لا طاقة لك به. To think about the tremendous punishment of Allah and the anger of Allah for which you and I, Allah, we cannot handle. نار الله هميا سبحان الله. وثالثة ذكر ضعفك وقلة حيلتك في ذلك. And to think about your weakness and your inability to shoulder that kind of punishment. فَإِنَّ مَنْ لَا يَحْتَمِلُ حَرَّ الشَّمْسٍ 
ولا لطمة شرطي ولا قرص نملة كيف يحتمل حر نار جهنم ودرب مقامع الزبانية ولسع حيات كأعناق البخت وعقارب كالبغال خلقت من النار في دار الغضب والبرار يا الله كم السلام ورحمة الله so just think about it like third I can't even stand being outside very long how am I gonna sin if I know I can't stand outside very long the heat wave is putting it on me but then I think I can sin I think I have the capacity to shoulder the punishment of hell like, think about that it's not possible فإن قيل أليس قل قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الندم توبه he said but if perhaps someone says but didn't you know after all the stuff you said about repentance didn't the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam say that regret is repentance this hadith anadamu tawbatun is a sound hadith related by imam ahmed in his musnad yani anadamu tawbah so like someone may ask like you you broke it down like this guy very like mashallah but like it's a very simple hadith to feel regret is tawbah and what he's getting at is some people may say well you know I didn't change my life I didn't repent I didn't you know recommit to my faith but I, I regret what I did so that, that's enough right that's what the, the prophet said alayhi salatu salam khalas I just have to feel bad I'm good Sheikh, he does something very nice he shows his adab with people who don't agree with him or people who say really ignorant things And the person says, "Walam yuthkar mimma dhakartum min shara'itiha wa shaddadtum shay'a." The person will say to him like, "You've made this more difficult than it is. Just you have to feel regret. That's all. It's just in your heart, man. Just feel bad and nadamu tawbatun." He says, "You should say to this person, "I'lam awwalan." You should say to them first and foremost, "Anna nadama ghayru maqdurin lil 'abd." ألا ترى أنه تقع الندامة عن أمور في قلبه وهو يريد أن لا يكون ذلك؟ So number one is like real ندم is not something that a person can control. And he says, for example, people regret things which actually aren't even good for them. Or at that times they feel ندامة about something that they don't want to feel that way about. Or they feel regret about something but at the same time they don't want to repent for it. So someone may feel regret, but they don't make tawbah. وَتَوْبَةُ مَقْدُورَةُ لِلْعَبْدِ مَأْمُورٌ بِهَا But tawbah is something that you have control over. Turning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is something that you can do. And he touches on something very important, man. This is a foundational principle in usul. That generally we say emotions are not something which fall under taklif. Because it's impossible to control our emotions. Subhanallah. What we are held accountable for are how we act on those emotions. And that's why the Prophet said to his Sahaba, one of the blessings that Allah has given this Ummah is that He is not going to hold them accountable for things that 
reside in their hearts. In the hadith of Sayyidina Abi Huraira, when the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he came to, the, the man came to the Prophet and said, Awsini, advise me. The Prophet said, La taghdab, la taghdab, la taghdab, don't be angry. What does it mean? Imam al-Nawi uh, says, doesn't mean like, don't become angry because that's something that oftentimes we can't control. What it means is do not act irresponsibly in anger. That's why we have an axiom when I was studying, ifta, la ifta bil ighlaq. You're not supposed to give a fatwa when you're mad. And also there is the, the, uh, hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, la talaqa bil ighlaq, that we don't consider divorce when someone's angry. Why? Because the, the, the emotions are hard to control. So what he's saying is, a nadama, regret. People regret things that are bad. And sometimes people regret things and they still don't repent. So how can you say that you're going to take the literal meaning of this hadith, a tawbah to nadam? No, 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 it has to be interpreted. It has to be interpreted. But repentance is something that people have the ability to do. And it's something that Allah has commanded us. And this is now touching on a second important axiom in Islamic law. التَّكْلِيفُ بِالْمُحَارِ لَا يَجُزُ فِعْلًا What does that mean? It is impossible for us to believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded us to do something we cannot do. هَذَا لَا يُمْكِنُ Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala مَا جَعَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ مِنْ حَرَجِ He says in Surah Al-Hajj, I have not placed hardship on you in this religion. يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ أَنْ يُخَفِّفْ عَنْكُمْ Allah has facilitated things for you. وَخُلِقَ الْإِنسَانُ ضَعِيفَ People are made weak. So when he says, وَتَوْبَةُ مَقْدُورَةٌ لِلْعَبْدِ مَأْمُورٌ بِهَا means that Allah has commanded you to do it, so you have the ability to do it. ثُمَّ إِنَّ إِنَّا قَدْ عَلِمْنَا أَنَّهُ لَوْ نَدِمَا عَلَى الذُّنُوبِ لَمَّا ذَهَبَ بِذَلِكَ جَاهُهُ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ أَوْ مَالُهُ فِي النَّفَقَ فِيهَا فَإِنَّ ذَلِكَ لَا يَكُونُ تَوْبَةً بِلَا رَيْبٍ So like let's say that somebody, you know they have some mistakes in front of people. And they simply regret it, but they don't fix it, whether it's related to financial issues, whether it's related to relationships with others. That's not going to suffice until they fix what they've done. فَعَلِمْتَ بِذَارِكَ أَنَّ فِي الْخَبَرِ مَعْنًا لَمْ تَفْهَمْهُ مِنْ ظَاهِرِهِ And this actually happens a lot with, with Muslims now, because the lack of Arabic language and the lack of training. And so what he's saying is that from this you will understand that in this narration there is a meaning, the person who is saying, oh, you know, Tawbah is just repentance, all this other stuff, it's not in the Hadith. He's saying that person has failed to understand the text correctly. They have gotten lost in the explicit nature of the text, not the implications or meaning of the text. 
And he says, وَهُوَ أَنَّ النَّدَمَ لِتَعْظِيمِ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى وَخَوْفِ عِقَابِهِ مِمَّا so he said that first, when we talk about regret with God, that means feeling a regret in the face of Allah's transcendence and the awesome nature of Allah and fearing His punishment. And this is what inspires someone to truly repent. And that is really the the state of people who repent that they repent out of awe to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's 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 what we find that's their state فَإِنَّهُ إِذَا ذَكَرَ الْأَذْكَارَ ثَلَاثَةَ الَّتِي هِيَ مُقَدِّمَاتُ التَّوْبَةِ نَدِمَ وَحَمَلَتْهُ النَّدَامَةُ عَلَى تَرْكِ اخْتِيَارِ ذُنُوبِ وَتَبْقَى نَدَامَتُهُ فِي قَلْبِهِ فِي الْمُسْتَقْبَرِ he says something nice. So if somebody were to truly express repentance and regret based on those three things that we talked about. Number one is thinking about the repugnant end of sin. Number two is thinking about the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And number three, our inability to shoulder that punishment. He says, then that is going to lead you to true regret. What the Prophet meant when he said, a tawbah to nadam. Nadam, regret where the sin is going to leave me. Regret because I may have brought about Allah's anger. Regret because I know I cannot handle the punishment of Allah in the hereafter. MashaAllah. And at the same time, that kind of regret, he said, is going to, to sustain me through the future. And it will cause me to have a greater reliance on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a greater sense of humility with Allah. And he says, thus, that is the type of regret that the Prophet met in the hadith, At-Tawbatu Nadam. And because that type of regret contains all that I just talked about, that's why the Prophet said that that regret is repentance. At-Tawbatu, that repentance is regret. What he meant is this feeling of, I, I know there's a great irresponsibility attached to sin in this life and the next, the ending is not good. I know that I may have made myself eligible for tremendous, powerful punishment and the wrath of, of Allah Azza wa Jal. And number three, I know that I cannot handle that punishment, so then I repent to Allah because I feel state of regret. MashaAllah. So let me, let me step back again to make sure we all understand where we are. He was asked last week, how do you engage in true repentance? So he defined true repentance. We talked about it. Right? Is that a person chooses to leave sin, which they felt had fallen into in the past, out of sincerity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fleeing his anger. 
Then he talked about the three things that are going to trigger repentance. The first was the repugnant ending of sin. Number two is the anger and punishment of Allah. And number three is that I know I cannot handle that punishment. I can't even sit out in the sun long without starting to burn. So how would I think I could handle the hellfire? And he said, and this is the meaning of, you know, like a sense of regret. A tawbah to nadam. And what he's saying is, no one should interpret this hadith literally, that I do some really bad stuff, and I'm like, well, you know, I'm sorry I did it. That's enough. No, no. It should lead to change and commitments. And we all know this. Like, if we're in relationships and people do something wrong, and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, but they don't change. Are you going to accept that? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You're not going to accept it. Wa alaykum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're not. So what he's saying is, you don't think it just simply means you can just blow it off. فَلَمَّا كَانَ ذَلِكَ مَنْ أَسْبَابِ تَوْبَةِ وَالصِّفَاتِ تَائِبِ سَمَّهُ وَرَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَمَ بِاسْمِ التَّوْبَةِ فَفْهَمْ ذَلِكَ مُوَفَّقًا إِنْشَاءَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى He says, so therefore understand what I just said very well. And may Allah SWT give you tawfiq. فَإِنْ قُلْتْ And if you were to say, كَيْفَ هَوْ يُمْكِنُ الْإِنسَانِ أَنْ يَصْبِرَ بِحَيْثُ لَا يَقَعُ مِنْهُ ذَنْبُنَ الْبَتَ مِنْ صَغِيرٍ أَوْ كَبِيرٍ And if you were to say, how is it possible that a person can be so resilient that they no longer fall into sin, whether the major or minor sins? كَيْفَ وَأَنْبِيَاءُ اللَّهِ صَرَوَاتُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَسَلَامُهُ صَرَوَاتُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَسَلَامُهُ الَّذِينَ هُمْ أَشْرَفُ خَلْقِ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَ وَتَعَالَى قَرْ اخْتَلَفَ فِيهِمْ أَهْلُ الْعِلْمِ هَلْ نَالُوا هَذِهِ الدَّرَجَةَ أَمْ لَا How is it possible that I could live a life free of sin when theologians differ about the prophets? And I'm nowhere near the prophets. And they are the most honorable people. What he's getting at here is how people will use their relationship with prophets or the prophet they follow as an excuse to do bad. We see this a lot. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not Muhammad Sallallahu I remember growing up in the church, there were some stories about the prophets in the Bible. If those stories happened, people would be put in prison for that now. They would be punished. It's impossible. And I remember my Sunday school teacher saying, you know, you're about to hear something that's absolutely inconceivable and unimaginable. And, she, and we learned it as kids. And I was saying to myself, well, you know, if the prophets made these kind of mistakes, hey, I'm good. For Sayyidina Imam al-Ghazali says, no, 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 no. Don't think that way. And he addresses this issue. He says, فَعْلَمْ أَنَّ هَذَا أَمْرُ مُمْكِنْ غَيْرُ مُسْتَحِيلٌ That it's possible that you could live a life free of sin. ثُمَّ هُوَ هَيِّنْ And it's not difficult. It doesn't mean completely free of sin. He means for you and I. Major and my, uh, sins. And of course for the prophets, Allah Azza wa Jal. Actually, sorry, he's talking about now about Isma. The context here is that the prophets are free of sin. And this is the opinion of 
Sunni theologians falls into three opinions about this issue I can share with you now. Number one is that they were protected from all sins, major and minor sins. Number two is that they were protected from major sins and minor sins that were morally questionable, but not all minor sins. This is mentioned by Imam Subki in Jam and Jawami. The third is that they were protected from the major sins and, and that they fell into minor sins. So you see, there's three opinions amongst Sunni theologians. Number one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected them from sins. Wallahu ya'asimuka min al-nas in the Quran. Allah protects you. Number two, it's not possible that a prophet would steal from the spoils of war. Number two, that they were protected from major sins and minor sins, but only the minor sins related to morality. Those kind of minor sins that would cause their ability to be prophets held as suspect. Okay? The third, that they were protected from major sins and they fell into minor sins. These are three opinions amongst, mashallah, the uh, scholars of theology. And this is not an issue that we need to fight over or uh, divide. Or, no, it's not that kind of issue. Like an Imam al-Ghazali responds to this when the person says, but like, you know, even the scholars differ about prophets. He says, as for prophets being protected from sin, فَعْلَمْ أَنَّ هَذَا أَمْرٌ مُمْكِنٌ أي مُمْكِنٌ الْوُجُودِ That's something that could happen. غَيْرُ مُسْتَحِيلٌ It's not improbable. ثُمَّ هُوَ هَيِّنٌ And actually it's easy. وَاللَّهُ يَخْتَصُّ بِرَحْمَتِهِ مَنْ يَشَاءٌ Allah chooses to grant His mercy to who He wills. So this issue, saying like for the prophets, it's not, it's not something which is hard to believe. And in fact, Imam al-Marzuqi, he says in Aqeedatul Awam, وَعِسْمَةٌ كَسَائِرِ الْمَلَائِكَةِ وَاجِبَةٌ وَفَاضَلُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ said that the prophets are like angels. and from the conditions of Tawbah is that someone when they're repenting they don't intend to do the sin again. Like, it's different if you say I'm weak or I'm struggling. No, no, I'm repenting but I know we're about to get into it. So I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm going to repent but I know like an hour later I'm going right back to what I was doing. La, la, la You're not going to be determined in doing evil like that. فَأَمَّا إِنْ وَقَعَ مِنْهُ بِسَهْوٍ However, if someone, right? If someone forgets أَوْ خَطَئٍ or makes a mistake فَهُوَ مَعْفُوٌ عَنْهُ بِفَضِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَهَذَا هَيِّنٌ عَلَى مَنْ وَفَّقُهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى And what he's saying more or less here, and I, I want to explain this better, is, you know, that when I, I fall into sin, it's because there was a determined 
like I had determination, intentionality. But if I fell into a sin because I forgot or I made a mistake, and we talked about this earlier, or if somebody forces me, then Allah is forgiving. Like whoever is forced into sin, Allah is forgiving. So I have to then be determined not to return to the sin. So I fell into the sin, I, you know, I, I, I jumped into it, I made this mistake, and now I've repented. But if I fell into sin because of forgetfulness or you know, inadvertent error, فَهُوَ مَعْفُوٌ عَنْهُ بِفَضْلِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى and it's a very simple issue, he says. And this is where we're going to stop. This is something you hear a lot from people. And if you say, the only thing that has stopped me from repenting and dedicating my life to faith and devotion is any, I know, a'lam, that indeed I will, min nafsi, from my core being, any a'udu ila dhamb. I'm going to eventually go back to the sin. Subhanallah. So why repent, man? Like if I know I'm going to go back to it, why should I repent? And I won't be able to maintain my repentance. So therefore, there's no real benefit in repenting. Imam al-Ghazali says, فَعْلَمْ أَنَّ هَذَا مِنْ غُرُورِ الشَّيْطَانِ وَمِنْ أَيْنَ لَكَ هَذَا الْعِلْمُ Imam al-Ghazali said, this is from the tricks of shaitan. And where on earth did you get this knowledge? فَعَسَى أَن تَمُوتَ تَائِبًا قَبْرَ أَن تَعُودَ إِلَى ذَنْبِ Allahu Akbar Perhaps you're going to die. After you repent, perhaps you'll die before you had a chance to return to that sin. <laughs> right? You don't know. You don't know. So you repent. Alhamdulillah, you may die before you have a chance to return to the sin. And we're going to finish here, insha'Allah ta'ala. وَأَمَّا الْخَوْفُ مِنَ الْعَوْدِ فَعَلَيْكَ الْعَزْمُ وَالصِّدْقُ فِي ذَلِكَ وَعَلَيْهِ الْإِتْمَامِ فَإِنَّ أَتَمَّ فَذَلِكَ الْمَقْصُودُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ وَإِنْ لَمْ يَتِمْ فَقَدْ غُفِرَتْ ذُنُوبُكَ السَّارِفَةِ كُلِّهَا وَتَخَلَّصْتَ مِنْهَا وَتَحَّرْتَ وَلَيْسَ عَلَيْكَ إِلَّا هَذَا الذَّنْبَ الَّذِي أَحْدَثَتُ الْآنِ الله أكبر Then he says, you know also, as for fearing that you're going to return to the sin, فَعَلَيْكَ الْعَزْمُ وَالصِّدْقِ Then be determined and be honest. وَفِي ذَلِكَ وَعَلَيْهِ الْإِتْمَامِ And that's how you complete this process, this determination and this integrity and this honesty and your repentance. فَإِنْ أَتَمَّ فَذَلِكَ الْمَقْصُورُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ وَإِنْ لَمْ يَتِمَّ فَقَدْ غُفِرَتْ ذُنُوبُكَ السَّارِفَةِ And he says, and, and so if you are able to do that and you never return back to the sin, this is from the fadl of Allah. And if in fact you do return to the sin, 
you know that the sins you did before have been forgiven. So you, you got one sin. And this is the opinion of the majority of theologians. That whoever repents, their sins are forgiven. Any Muslim who repents to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sincerely, their sins are forgiven. This is the opinion of the majority of theologians, alhamdulillah, and the strongest based on evidences. Inna Allah yaghfiru dhunuba jami'a, innahu huwa ghafur rahim. So he said, so if you're worried about like you're going to go back to that sin and that you've wasted your time repenting, a'udhi billah, take heart and know that maybe that repentance will cause you to never return to the sin again, or at a minimum, at least your repentance has caused your previous sins to be forgiven. So when you fall into this sin, then you have one sin. وَتَخَلَّصْتَ مِنْهَا وَتَهَرْتَ وَلَيْسَ عَلَيْكَ إِلَّا هَذَا الذَّنْبُ الَّذِي أَحْدَثَتُ الْآنِ So therefore the only sin you have is the sin that you just committed. Subhanallah. وَهَذَا هُوَ الرِّبْحُ الْعَظِيمُ وَالْفَائِدَةُ الْعَظِيمَةُ الْكَبِيرَةُ فَلَا يَمْنَعُكَ خَوْفُ الْعَوْدِ عَنِ التَّوْبَةِ فَإِنَّكَ مِنَ التَّوْبَةِ أَبَدًا بَيْنَ إِحْدَى الْحُسْنَيَيْنِ وَاللَّهُ وَلِيُّ التَّوْفِيقِ وَالْهِدَايَةِ فَهَذِهِ هِيَ MashaAllah He says, therefore, so being forgiven, whether it's being forgiven and never going back to the sin, or being forgiven for previous sins, but then sometimes slipping and going back to the other sin, he said, this is actually a great profit and a great benefit and an incredible accomplishment. So do not allow the fear that you're going to go back to the sin keep you from repentance. Because you always need to be in a state of repentance. Between those two goods, either the good of all your sins are forgiven and you don't go back to the sin, or all your sins are forgiven and you may fall back into the sin. And Allah is the one who is responsible for guidance and success. And that is what it is. That is what it is. Now, we're just going to read this quickly, then we're going to stop so we can set it. Next week, we're not going to have class because it will be Eid. Inshallah, then the week after, we'll continue. He says, as we said earlier, the predominant opinion of Ahlul Sunnah is that if somebody repents, inshallah, they won't be punished. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Alina, it's a great question. MashaAllah, we answered it earlier. Someone's asking me if I know about a book, Sahifa Sajadiya. I don't know anything about this book, I'm sorry. The Shaykh says, وَأَمَّا الْخُرُوجُ عَنِ الذُّنُوبِ وَتَخَلُّصُ مِنْهَا Oh, the Shaykh, he says, and now let's talk about how do you escape from sin? And how do you free yourself from it? He says, we can look at sins and divide them into three parts. Three parts. The first is that someone has failed to perform an obligation that Allah has obligated upon them, like prayers, 
like fasting, like zakah. So the first sin is related to acts of devotion which are obligatory. Al-fard. أو كفارة أو غيرها فتقضي مام كنك منها and, and then he says the way that you should make up for those sins is that you should make them up as best you can. So let's say somebody didn't pray for 20 years, then they started to pray again. They said, oh wow, I haven't prayed in 20 years. They should do their best to make up the prayers they missed. Somebody didn't pay zakat for a number of years, should do best to pray, pay the zakat that they missed. هذا قد قضى فقدي ممكنك منها so this is how we make Toba for failing to adhere to the obligations. Khalas. So I repent, Allahumma ghfirli warhamni, then I translate that into qada. Wathani dhunubun baynak wa bayna Allahi subhanahu wa ta'ala kasharb al-khamri wa dabr al-mazamir wa akl al-ribah wa nahwi dhalik. Then he said, the second are related to sins between us and God, like drinking alcohol, smoking weed, whatever, playing musical instruments, if they fall under the de designation of what's forbidden, interest and usury. فَتَنْدَمُوا عَلَى ذَلِكَ وَتُوَطِّنُوا قَلْبَكَ عَلَى تَرْكِ الْعَوْدِ إِلَى مِثْلِهَا أَبَدًا so how do we repent for sins that come between us and God? Is we feel the regret that we talked about earlier. And then we station our heart in a way that it does not return to those sins again. That's okay. You don't need to say I'm sorry. Don't worry about that. MashaAllah, may Allah bless you. And of course, any dua made by Sayyidina Ali, if you, if you find, and this is someone's asking a question, if you find du'as of the Sahaba, Sayyidina Umar, Sayyidina Abu Bakr, Sayyidina Ali, Sayyidina Aisha, or the Salafi, the, 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 the Salihin, you don't need to ask me. Who, who am I in front of those people? <laughs> Say their du'as, alhamdulillah. Who, who is Suhaib Webb in front of Sayyidina Ali? I'm not worth uh, a piece of dust on the, under the foot of Sayyidina Ali. So, like, we don't need to ask those kind of questions, right? We're not talking about the dua of the Jonas Brothers or the dua of, you know, Taylor Swift. We're talking about the dua of Salihin awliya illah, la'arifin billah. Fakhalas, yani. So don't ask people. Can I? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. So someone's asking in the Instagram, like, someone gave me a dua of Sayyidina Ali, can I say it? Like, why? Well, you don't have to ask that question. And this is not to chastise the person who asked. But do we know who those people were? And the Sahaba are like stars. Alhamdulillah. Then he says, and Roman, I'm going to get to your question. What Dani, the second type of sin, dhunubun, are sins baynak wa bayna Allahi subhanahu wa ta'ala, ka sharbi al khamri, or shurbi al khamri, wa darbi al mazamir, wa akli al riba, you know, like drinking alcohol, smoking weed, uh, anything like that. 
usury, playing musical instruments which are forbidden. And the repentance for that is to feel regret and then to station your heart in a way that it never goes back to those sins again. So now the Sheikh did something awesome. He said, here's the three types of sins. The first is when we fail to perform obligatory acts. The way that we repent for that is qada. To ask Allah to forgive us and then to do our best to make them up. Ma amkanak minha. Wathani sins, the second sins between us and Allah. How do we make up for those things? To feel that regret. And then to station my heart in a way that it never returns to it again. And now he talks about the third sin. The third type of sin. Our sins between you and others. And he said, it's these kind of sins which are most problematic and most difficult. And he said, and they're going to take place in the following arenas. Different parts to sins that happen between us and people. Maybe it's in monetary issues. Maybe someone has harmed or taken the life of somebody. The honor of a person. You know, attacking someone's family. Or something that's sacred. Their honor. You slander them or you spread lies about them. Or maybe they've said something in confidence to you and you share it with others. And the fifth, he said, are loans. These are not all of them. But he, he, it's not the purpose of his book, right? But he, he just wants to show how complicated sins between people can become. Money, life, honor, integrity, and debts. So next time, inshallah, two weeks from now, uh, we'll talk about those. But he says, فَيَجِبُ عَلَيْكَ أَن تُرَدَّهُ عَلَيْهِ إِنْ أَمْكَنَكَ you know, like when it comes to property, you should try your best to return it to the person. And so on and so forth. So in two weeks, we're going to pick up here on page 161. Uh, unfortunately, it's not translated. Um, but we're going to pick up on this part of how do we manage and navigate sins between people. So Romana has a question. Alhamdulillah. How can I overcome delusion in viewing ourselves as perfect and also viewing ourselves destructively as worthless beings because of our tendency to do wrong? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran says that no human being is worthless. We honored all of you. And also the key to overcome that is repentance. You know, there was a scholar, mashallah, who he said for 30 years, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give me a glimpse into true repentance. And he says, and I understood after 30 years it was so difficult. And then he said, finally I saw in my dream one of the righteous people that said to me, what is disturbing you? I said, what's disturbing me is I want to understand true repentance. 
And the person said, if you want to understand true repentance, understand that repentance is going to cause Allah to love you. Repentance is intrinsically tied to the love of Allah. Allah loves those who repent. So we should never allow the anguish of sin to destroy us to the point that we forget the promise of Allah to forgive us and that He loves those who repent to Him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to stay on the sunnah of the Prophet. Any other questions, inshallah? And we'll pick up. And I think we'll finish the obstacle of Tawbah in the next two sessions, inshallah. And then we'll move on to the third obstacle from the book Minhaj al Qasidi. So someone's asking, like, what do you do during the lockdown? You know, when you when you feel like, of course, you get cabin fever and start to, you know, get into fights and arguments with your families. I think this is these are questions maybe best ask uh, of people who are trained uh, in the science. You know, kind of family therapists and people. And I'm sure if you search online, I don't know, but I'm sure if you search online, you're going to find some amazing articles on YouTube and other places, people talking about how you kind of overcome uh, the frustrations of uh, the cabin fever. Cabin fever. Eid Mubarak as well. And we're going to give everyone early Eid, inshallah. Next week we want to have class and then we will pick up our class again, inshallah ta'ala, in two weeks. And I will post I will post I will post this up uh, insha'Allah ta'ala soon. Someone's asking, what is the best way to feel khushu during salah? There is an answer for this in my highlights. So if you go there, insha'Allah, you can, you can find it there. Yusuf, barakallahu fikum. How do you read Qur'an for a deceased person? Well, the way of the early Muslims was to read the Qur'an with the intention that the word of the Qur'an will go to the deceased. And this is mentioned by people like Abdullah ibn Umar, Sound Isnad and other Sahabi who requested people to recite the Qur'an over their graves. This is an issue which is different over. We don't need to fight and split the Ummah, but you intend that the khair goes to them, inshallah. Is there any benefit in reciting Astaghfirullah even if you can't in the moment have sincerity? Absolutely, alhamdulillah. You never know that istighfar may bring light to your heart, alhamdulillah. And bring you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Someone's saying, where are you from? I'm from Saudi. I'm from uh, Obaidanistan. Obaidanistan. Inshallah, if they weren't Muslim, you can make the intention that Allah will use your Qur'an to relieve some of their difficulties in the hereafter. When we have questions that might be dumb or we aren't sure, who do we ask? You can ask me. There's no dumb question, mashallah. There's no such thing as a dumb question in general. I mean, there are sometimes dumb questions, but generally people's questions are, are coming from a very important place. So feel free to ask. Any questions from folks here at the ICNYU? Y'all so quiet. Y'all so shy and quiet. What's going on here? Where is uh, the ICNYU folks? 
طيب we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless you to increase you inshallah to raise you an early Eid uh, Mubarak to everyone نسأل الله سبحانه وتعالى يوفقنا وإياكم إن شاء الله وأن يبارك لنا إن شاء الله في هذا العيد ويتقبل منا أعمالنا الصالحة ask Allah to accept inshallah this blessed time from us and to increase us and we know tomorrow night at the IC there's going to be an amazing program so I encourage everyone to show up أحسن again thank you for taking notes بارك الله فيكم وصلى الله وسلم على سيدنا محمد والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله